Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and three things up for review this week. First, there's the new Marvel movie Thor Love and Thunder. It's a spoiler-free review, so don't worry about that. And then there's the new Netflix animated film The Sea Beast. And finally, the new Apple TV Plus limited series Blackbird. First up is Thor Love and Thunder, which means it's a Marvel week, which I tend to call a bye week for reviews because that means... I, it doesn't matter what I say. You are going to go see this film. If you are invested in the MCU, you're going to go see this film. Now, whether or not you see this in theaters versus waiting for it on Disney+, Plus, that's a separate story. But if you're not invested in the MCU, no, this is not going to be your entry point into the franchise. But, you know, if you're like me, you've invested a decade plus of your life into dozens of films or more than dozens of films. And it, you are required, essentially, because of the interwoven nature of these stories to see every one of them. So guess what? You're probably seeing Thor Love and Thunder. Now, the good news, at least I think the good news, is I had a great time at this film. So I will caveat by saying, one, absolutely adore Taika Waititi. Love pretty much everything he does. I think he really reinvented who Thor is in the MCU with Thor Ragnarok. Now, this is the sequel to Thor Ragnarok, so it's not going to be able to accomplish that sense of novelty, right? I think it carries on a lot of the great things that he established in Thor Ragnarok, but it's not going to re-re-reinvent the character. We already did that in the last film, and thankfully, right? I, at least for me, thankfully. I know there are people who aren't a huge fan of this take on it, but it, Thor Ragnarok is actually, I think, my favorite Marvel film, so let that guide your interpretation of the rest of this review. So we are lacking the novelty of this reinvented character. So that's not working against it per se, but you do need to temper your expectations because of that. So we pick up at the end of Endgame. Thor is sort of cavorting around with Guardians of the Galaxy, having a bit of an existential crisis, trying to find himself. And then, uh, you know, as you've seen in the trailer, so this isn't a spoiler, we're going to cross paths with Gore the God Butcher, who's played by Christian Bale in this, doing what feels like his best Voldemort impression, which I found kind of odd. You know, I don't know if this was the best use of Christian Bale. I think he does a fine job for what he's doing, but I will say, I mean, and actually this probably applies to all the films, the plots are a little bit thin. So anyway, Christian Bale is Gore the God Butcher. That's, you know, he's a villain. It is what it is. I think what Taika does so, so well is that he captures the idiosyncrasies of relationships and friendships in particular, and maybe like the sort of power balance dynamic between them. You know, somebody considers somebody else their best friend, but they only think of them as like a decent friend, that type of thing. And then the the, the idiosyncrasies or the ways in which we act out over jealousy and envy and things like that. He's so good at that stuff. And it definitely shows in Thor Love and Thunder, plays it for comedy, which makes me very happy. And it's, it's just like some of the creativity involved in it. I, my mind is boggled by it. It's so good to me, at least, and anybody who is a fan of the last one. Now, he also brings, uh, I think, more sentimentality to this one in a good way. It does feel slightly uneven, but it's really where he shines is the parental relationship. So if you've seen his work in Jojo Rabbit, you know, think along those lines, maybe the circumstances, well, I guess, you know, those were not fictional. These are fictional. So you can't really compare apples to apples. But obviously the Holocaust is a whole different bag. Anyway, but, you know, uh, look at like the way he directed Scarlett Johansson's character and that like that those parental to child relationships, the emotional heartbeat of those, I think he does a good job of infusing into this film where I do think it falls a little bit short is in the romantic department. So Thor Love and Thunder sees the return of Natalie Portman finally as Jane Foster and now she's Jane Thor. That's not a spoiler. It's in the trailers. And you know, this is, this is you're, you're smart cookies. Like, you know where they're going to try and go with this. I don't know if it is the directing. I 
part of me thinks it's the actors themselves in just that they I've never bought the romantic chemistry between those two characters you know I it's it's just always felt like a little bit off there are some more buddy buddy moments between them that I actually thoroughly enjoyed in this I'm like oh I wish we had gone with that instead of the whole you know trying to rekindle romance maybe maybe not will they won't they etc etc those moments for me fell a little bit short and I'll be honest there you know I just I don't I didn't get I didn't buy it you know but the rest of the film, it was so enjoyable that it didn't matter to me. Uh, I think other notable people to mention are Russell Crowe as Zeus, who was doing, you know, he's a Greek god, but it felt like he was doing a bad Mario accent. I don't know. The accents in this film are very weird, you know, with Christian Bale's Gore Voldemort one and uh, uh, Russell Crowe's. But anyway, but the, again, it's the weird idiosyncratic comedy moments that really were my favorite parts of Ragnarok and that carried over to this one. And again, they are they work because they are built on relationships that we can recognize ourselves in and sort of like the character dynamics there. Also, uh, there are some truly beautiful shots in this film that are very comic book-esque that I was excited to see. I was, you know, you see a moment and you're like, oh, they definitely thought of this in the storyboard room and we're like, we have to figure out how to make this work. So overall, I had a very good time. It's not as good as Ragnarok, but that's not fair, right? Because Ragnarok set the bar so high. And also, with, without Ragnarok, you don't have Love and Thunder. And again, like I said, it's a Marvel week. You're going to go see it one way or another. I do think it's a fun one to see in theaters, you know, having the crowds laugh along. Uh, and not having things spoiled for you also. Please don't spoil things. There's no fun in that. Uh, yeah, but Thor, Love and Thunder, I'm going to give it a four out of five. I'm going to take a quick break and be right back. And I'm back. Next up is a film called The Sea Beast. It's an animated film. It's out on Netflix and it's from writer-director Chris Williams. He is probably best known as the director of Big Hero 6 and the co-director of Moana. And we'll give a caveat, Moana, one of my favorite modern Disney films. So The Sea Beast takes place in a world where there are these giant monster sea creatures and it follows a, a sort of boat full of monster hunters. And Carl Urban plays uh, Jacob, who's sort of the first mate. Jareed Harris plays the captain and they uh, their paths and they are sort of come into possession of I don't know how to describe it a young orphan girl who idolizes them etc etc so I will do a compliment sandwich I think one of the things I loved about this film is that it, it you know the characters are super diverse you see women on the boat you see people of color you know they're animated I know I get it but a lot of times people don't bother to include that so it made me really happy to see uh, both of those things included in this there's not they don't talk about you know sexuality in this because it's mostly a kids film so you know fine I'll, I'll give them a path there but I really appreciated you know the the uh, the main protagonist the young girl is a black girl I was like great love that love being able to see representation in films that are child friendly now I think the biggest challenge with the sea beast is it is very action-packed that's totally fine but it's too action-packed. Like, it starts off with a very long action sequence. And for me, I started to almost zone out because I was like, who are these people? I don't care. You know, yes, fighting big monsters is fine enough to get you into, like, the story, etc. a little bit. But when it goes on for a really long time, I'm like, okay, what's the point here? Like, what? who are, why do I care? Aside from the fact that, you know, these are people on a boat. In fact, in the beginning and through the end, I, I was like, I'm on the monster side here. Like, what's going on right now? So... That was a, a challenging thing. It also clocks in at an hour and 55 minutes. That, I think, includes credits. But it's um, it felt on the longer side. There are plenty of animated films that have a runtime along those lines that don't feel long. I felt like it was long. You know, and especially when you are making something inclusive of young audiences, that can be challenging because you have to not only hold an adult's attention span, but a child's attention span. And I don't... I think it came up a little bit short on that one for me. I also... I just gotta say it, like... I feel like I've seen 
all of these characters and these creatures before. Like, I was convinced at one point that the same character designers from How to Train Your Dragon were involved in this. They are not, it turns out, completely different teams. But, you know, I just, also the story felt very How to Train Your Dragon. And I know it's not necessarily fair to be like, well, any story that involves mythical creatures is How to Train Your Dragon-ish. But it it, it felt, evoked it very hard. And How to Train Your Dragon kind of did it better, you know. And maybe that's just because they came first, you know. But I just... I wanted more heart to it, which I thought Dragon did very well. And by the time that it got to any sort of sense of heart in the Sea Beast, I was a little less invested because I'd gone through so much action so far. So I don't know, you know, I don't have a test audience of children to put this in front of. I think overall it's still an enjoyable film. It's still very pretty. There are things that, I don't want to call them pandering, but there are, you know, cute, adorable creatures who show up for a while and you're like, oh, okay, waiting for the toy of that because I kind of want one. And also because what is an animated film like this without that type of thing? You know, I again, I, I'm not trying to disparage the film. I think it's overall like a good film. It's just not a great film. And it felt like it had promise and potential to go above that. And so that it didn't deliver, kind of a bummer, but still serviceable. You know, again, maybe put it on one and a half speed for the beginning or action e parts and then go for it. But yeah, I, I also, I don't want to spoil the ending, but there is a, a plot line in it that I was like, oh, this is a more mature, not a bad way, but it's just like, sort of environmentalism and and maybe an allegory for colonialism and all that type of thing that I was like, that's cool, but it comes in so late that it's just, the pacing, clearly I'm trying to say the pacing of this film is also a little bit off. But again, I think it's serviceable. The fact that it is available to you in your home, I, you know, I liked it a million times more than I liked Minions The Rise of Gru, but that was a low bar. But either way, The Sea Beast is out on Netflix and I'm going to give it a 3.7 out of 5. And the last thing I have this week is a new series on Apple TV+. Plus. It is called Blackbird. It's actually apparently inspired by true events. So Taron Egerton plays sort of a, a high school football hero, et cetera, et cetera, like all-American guy who then gets involved in illicit activities and gets busted by the police. Also, his dad is a police officer. His dad is played by Ray Liotta in sadly one of his last roles. And I was like, oh... Yeah, he's definitely getting some nominations for this because even though he has limited screen time, given his untimely passing and all that stuff, you know, it's just like, okay, yeah, it's a good performance as well. But I was like, well, enjoy your posthumous awards. R.I.P. So Taryn plays Jimmy Keen, who goes to prison and then uh, is essentially enlisted by the government to try and get a suspected serial killer to confess to the locations of additional victims. That person is played by Paul Walter Hauser, who... Honestly, I started watching the show for Taron Egerton because I think he's a very good actor. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, what's the show going to be? And the first episode dragged a little bit until Paul Walter Hauser showed up. And I was like, oh, you are a fascinating character in this. I think anyone who is a fan of true crime, murder, drama, blah, 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 etc., you're going to watch the show. You're going to enjoy it. I think it's a pretty well done one. It also stars Greg Kinnear and Sepeda Moevi. And, you know, it's only six episodes. I think it's uh, a well-paced. You know, I enjoyed it. It's tough to watch sometimes, just given the material that it's covering. Uh, there are moments where I was just like, the, the, the physicality of Taryn's character is so silly to me. I mean, it's not actually. He clearly just, like, tried to physically transform a bit and be this, uh, uh, you know, football macho star, etc. And not that he's not an athletic person, but it just reads really strange to me. And then there are some, I don't know, I felt like mildly gratuitous sex scenes with him. And I was like, okay, like, I don't know. I don't know what the point of this is. Um, if it's supposed to be, you know, illustrating who this character is or just to show off this body, like whatever, you know, I don't know if it was necessary, but sure. 
But I again, I think the actual MVP of this is Paul Walter Hauser with like a backup MVP as Ray Liotta, who does truly give a very good performance that I think is further colored by his passing. So uh, Blackbird, it's on Apple TV Plus. Definitely would recommend it. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.